offering gifts to an orphanage. A baby snuck into a sack, ended up at the North Pole, right? This becomes Buddy. Um, Buddy grows up, he's adopted, he grows up as an elf, even though he's six foot three and doesn't fit anywhere in the North Pole, right? He doesn't realize that he's not an elf until, as a, more like an adult, he doesn't, he's not good at any elf thing, right? They're good at all their elf things at the North Pole, and he's not good at any of them. So finally, finally Santa tells him about his dad in New York City. So the rest of the movie is about Elf going to New York City and finding his dad. All right, spoiler alert, you'll be shocked to know that Buddy finds his dad, reunites with his family, meets the lady he eventually marries, and saves Christmas, right? Shocking that that happens in a Christmas movie. All right, so that's all you really need to know about the movie for today's message. All right. Along the way, we do learn a few things. We learn that if you see gum on the street, you should leave it there because it's not free candy. All right. We also learn that you shouldn't take travel advice from a snowman because he doesn't have any feet, so he's never been anywhere. All right. But we also learn about the elf code. All right. So Buddy and all the elves live by the elf code. And throughout the movie, this is how Buddy saves Christmas for the elf code. So we're going to look at the elf code and see how that applies to us living as Christians, all right? So, so number one, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, all right? So I know, I know you guys know that. You've seen the movie, all right? Um, all right, so in the movie, singing Christmas carols loud is what brings Christmas cheer, but also brings the Christmas magic that Santa needs, and it's actually what, at the end of the movie, it's what saves Santa and Christmas on this Christmas Eve, right? Singing for all to hear. And so the praise team is probably like, yeah, this is what we've been saying. Sing loud for all to hear, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So for followers of Jesus, it's more than just singing, though, right? I mean, singing, I enjoy it. You don't really want me to be the one that you hear the most. But, I mean, I enjoy worshiping together. But... As followers of Jesus, it's more like the melody of our lives, okay? It's the meditation of our hearts, the words that we speak, our actions. Those things together form the song of our lives. Um, there's an old Casting Crowns, Casting, yeah, easy to say, Casting Crowns song called Life Song. I don't know, it's maybe 15, 20 years ago. And a part of the song goes... Um, May the words I say and the things I do, may my life song sing, bring a smile to you. All right? So that's what this song is talking about. It's talking about our lives, the things that we think, say, and do being a song to Jesus. Right? If all of nature cries out for Jesus, shouldn't our lives cry out for Jesus too? In Romans 12, Paul urges us to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Right? This is what he's talking about, that our lives should sing out for God and to God. The takeaway here is, and so this is our first villain, if you're following, is that our lives should reflect Jesus. Uh, a few more verses from Paul to contemplate. Second Corinthians 3.18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then Colossians 3.10, And I've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. 
And then Ephesians 4.24. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is our calling for our lives to reflect Jesus. So as Captain Crowns would put it, may our life song reflect the one that we honor and serve. I once read a story, I think in a book by Max Locato, but I couldn't find it, about a lady who had gone to the same hairdresser for years. She would constantly tell her adult daughter that, hey, this hairdresser that I see, she looks exactly like you. So one time her daughter was home for an extended period of time, and having heard about this lady for years, decided, I am going to make an appointment and go meet this lady that that, you know, that I look exactly like. So she does. When she walks in and meets her, they both laugh. Not because they look alike, but because they look completely different, right? One's fairly tall. One's kind of short. One has dark hair. One has light hair. One has kind of a round face. One has angular features. They look nothing alike, have no physical characteristics that are the same. So what's the deal? It turns out that both of them are committed Christians, followers of Jesus. They want to live a life that honors God, right? Their life song sings for the Lord. It turns out that the mom isn't Christian, and those two ladies, her daughter and this lady, are the only Christian people in her life. And because, like forgetting the physical differences, but because their spiritual lives are so similar as they follow Jesus, that's really all she saw, right? So this is a great example of what it means for our life song to sing for Jesus, right? This is a living sacrifice, pleasing and honoring to God. This should be our goal. All right, so application two in the same code. And Jody and I didn't coordinate this, but I noticed that we're singing um, Go Tell It on the Mountain later, right? So that is the fill-in here is Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? Again, Jody and I had no idea. Right, so, so the first part is, is just our life, just the things that we say and do, they sing to God. Right? Sometimes we need to just go tell it on the mountain, right? Um, Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is, of course, the Great Commission calling us to go and make disciples. So there's a part in the movie where Buddy works at a department store, of course, in their Christmas village. He hears that Santa's coming, right? And he's really excited. He's super psyched and animated. And this is what he says. Santa's coming. I know him. I know him. Right? That should be us. Jesus is coming. I know him. I know him. Um, Also, this isn't in your notes, but here's an extra thought free of charge, okay? So Santa does come to his department store, but of course it's not the real Santa, And um, let's say that Buddy is extremely disappointed, right? And so his response is, two two of my favorite parts of the movie, you smell like, you're not Santa, you smell like meat and cheese. And then he says, 
and you sit on a throne of lies. Yeah. Um, so so here's, the, here's the free thought, right? If we know Jesus, like Buddy, we should recognize the deception when we see it, right? We should be able to, we should be able to know that, and that's not of Jesus or for Jesus. We should be able to, to, to say to Satan, you sit on a throne of lies. All right. Code number two. Treat every day like Christmas. All right, so that's the elf way. Treat every day like Christmas. <clears throat> they, the elves, buddy, and the elves recognize something that seems kind of obvious, right? Why not treat every day like it's Christmas? And I don't mean exchange gifts every day and put up Christmas lights every day, but but just our uh, like our spirit, right? Why not every day treat it like it? It's a day that we celebrate Jesus, all right? So for our application, I'll summarize it like this, all right? And this is the fill-in. Be focused on what matters. Be focused on what matters. All right, so uh, for this, let's look at a short part of the Christmas story and some of the folks that play an important role. And we're going to start with the angels and the shepherds. All right, so from Luke chapter 2, and this is uh, 13 through 15. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay, first, the angels. So what are they focused on? Just praising and worshiping. That's it. That's the whole list. It starts and ends there. Praising and worshiping. That's what they do. All right, so... It's easy for us to think, well, of course they're focused on praising and worshiping. That's what they do. They don't have anything else to think about and worry about. But I'm not sure that's true. Let's think about their perspective, okay? So prior to this, this night, Jesus is the Prince of Heaven in their presence. For all of for age unknown, they have been with Him, know Him, Worship him. He's in their presence. Now, what they see is their king, born to honestly a bunch, a couple of nobodies in the middle of nowhere with absolutely nothing. So, I don't know that they have nothing else to think about. I would. It seems like they would have plenty to think about, but they but they choose, right? We, I think maybe we overlooked this. They choose to praise and worship. We assume they have to praise and worship, I think. Sometimes I kind of find myself thinking that. But, but I think they choose to praise and worship. Why? Because they know personally the object of their praise and worship. And the result of that is, is that's, all they, that's all they want to do is praise and worship. All right, so, so for ages he's been the ever-present Lord there. They've, they've worshipped him. And now they still choose to do that. They're focused, right? We should be focused. They're focused. We should be focused. Remember that Jesus himself in Matthew said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the rest of these things will be given to you, right? So that's how the angels were. They, they remembered the object of their praise. They knew him personally. That's what they sought first. So therefore, they're, even, even if they were struggling with what was going on to their king, they were still able to praise and worship. Stay focused on what matters. All right, what about the shepherds, right? 
So they get this message, and then basically they drop everything and go looking for Jesus, right? Sort of in the middle of their shift, they kind of walk out of work. Um, but, but what is they doing here? They, they interrupt their normal activities to be concerned and think about God, right? They leave behind the ordinary to experience the extraordinary. They leave behind the important to focus on the most important. So that's our lesson. Focus on the most important. All right? And then we also learn from Mary. A little later in chapter 2, verse 19, and I'll just read this one verse. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Right? So she treasured them. She was in awe. So if we're honest, we sometimes forget or overlook the, the things about Christmas that should make us be in awe. Right? We forget about the rescue, the redemption, the joy and the hope and the love that comes from the Christmas story. It's easy to, it can be easy to overlook those things, but we, but like Mary, we need to focus on them, be in all of them, allow them to just overwhelm our heart and soul. When we focus on those most important things, the extraordinary things, we're much more likely to live every day like it's Christmas. The more we contemplate these great things he has done for us, the more we'll be filled with his awe. All right, code number three. There is room for everyone on the nice list, right? Santa has the naughty list and the nice list. Elf code says there's room for everybody on the nice list. Unfortunately, everyone is not on it, right? So there's a part where they show the list, and, and sadly, Buddy's dad is on the naughty list, and that really freaks Buddy out. And also, when you look at that list, it's really long, right? They don't, they don't show all of it, but, man, it seems to be crazy long, right? The good news that we know this morning is that the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. Luke 2.10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The gospel is for all the people. There is room for everyone. But... Unfortunately, not all will accept, right? It's the greatest gift, but you have to accept a gift or to be able to utilize it. The Bible tells us something that I think intuitively we would all recognize, right? That all have sinned and all have fallen short. So I think it's easy to see that in other people. But I think if you're honest, it's easy to see it in yourself too, right? It's easy to see how... We all have sin that causes us to fall short of what God has required of us. But because God so loved the world, he had a plan to save his people, right? And we celebrate that today. So the plan is definitely a bit unorthodox, right? But Matthew gives us a peek into it. So this is from Matthew 1, 18 to 21. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce, divorce, divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. God created the ultimate battle plan, the kingdom of heaven entering into the kingdom of earth. It was the only solution, and Jesus was perfectly willing to do it. So Jesus arrived, Emmanuel, God with us, the the God that we celebrate today. Santa might not be able to get everyone on the nice list, but Jesus is certainly able to um, provide the way for everyone to spend eternity in heaven with him. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus, then what an awesome day to do it, Christmas Day. So I invite you to do that right now as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. As we about to close our service in prayer, just recognize him as Savior. Recognize your need for a Savior and put your faith in him. And unlike Santa and his naughty list, I mean, Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is for everyone, all people, everywhere, all time, no matter what. And so if you've never done that, I invite you to do that as we pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today we celebrate you, Emmanuel, God with us. What a crazy plan. The king of heaven coming to earth as a baby. Thank you for coming for us, for all of us, for rescuing us, for saving us, for being the Messiah. If anyone here today has never accepted your awesome gift, I pray they'll do so right now. And Lord, as we leave this place, may our lives bring you honor and glory. As we enjoy the many lights of the season, may we be reminded that you are the light of the world. As we enjoy the the gift exchanges, may we be reminded that you are the greatest gift. May we be focused on you so our lives can be a reflection of you, the Savior of the world. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.